Nicole, we're still going to chat a little bit more. It's time for our business update so that we do every week. We'll get straight back to our conversation, chatting Survivor, chatting uh, Mr. South Africa 2018 and more. Joining me down the Zoom line is uh, Daniel Silk. Hello. Hello, Daniel. How's it going? I'm very good. Thank you, Alex. Uh, Lovely to be with you. It's lovely to have you. Uh, South Africa's foremost political and uh, economic analyst. Daniel, I know you're forever researching. You're forever watching how things are going. And uh, it must be the most fascinating time to be doing what you're doing right now. Yeah, I think it's the information overload, Alex. And I think that, uh, you know, as it's often been said in cliched form, we're living in COVID times where everything moves not only extra speedily, but there's just more and more information and nuanced uh, analysis to be made. And uh, it, it, it makes for a fascinating time period, but a, a very challenging one at the same time. Daniel, I mean, we, we, we're halfway through the year. I think a lot of us have got thoughts, opinions, and uh, and very vocal ones of how the first six months have gone. Uh, what, what is your outlook for the next six months uh, leading up to December? Should we uh, strap in our seatbelts and, and hang tight, or uh, <laughs> are we ready to pack our bags and, and move to, uh, what's that place called again uh, that we spoke about earlier on uh, Martinique? <laughs> You found somewhere where there's no COVID, I, I, I believe, Alex. Uh, look, I, I, for, for many years, I've been saying fasten your seatbelt. So uh, I don't think there's any change here. Um, and I think certainly it's not just the next six months or so. The next two years in South Africa is going to be critical. We simply have to begin a process of economic reform and tweaks to the way we have governed this country over the last 10, 15 years or so. And that means that there has to be some very tough decisions, and those decisions have political consequences, certainly for President Ramaphosa. So this is a, this is a, a, a two-year period where we will attempt some sort of reboot. It's not a one-month, three-month, nine-month, it's two years. And that will take us then to the end of 2022, when President Ramaphosa himself will be assessed by his own party as to whether he will retain the leadership of the ANC and then by implication South Africa. And that's why this entire period necessitates buy-in across the board, a social compact across the board, but it needs credible leadership. And without credible leadership, you're simply not going to get that buy-in that's necessary for change. Daniel, I get a feeling that, uh, you know, in all the analysis and, and interviews that we see on media at the moment and conversations that are happening, that there's still a lot of people who've got a lot to lose if things go south here. And that kind of gives me a little bit of hope that, you know, we, we're going to still stick into this for quite some time. Uh, all is not lost yet. No, no, look, all, all, all is never lost in any environment. I mean, you can, always, you can always at least steady the ship and then hopefully turn the ship around. So I do think that there's always the opportunity for change. Uh, and I do think that there are many within government as well who would like to see growth and a more market-friendly, globally integrated economy adopting best practices emerge. So I think one should always be optimistic on that particular score. But the sort of ingrained undercurrents of political tension within the ruling elite in South Africa, uh, corruption, graft, which has again reared its head now under COVID, really undermines all of this. So at some point or other, you have to get a grip on the current issues, and that takes political guts and political courage. Uh, and we haven't seen sufficient evidence of that yet. But I think one must always understand that, yes, you're right, 
this is a country in which there, are, there, are, there is vast wealth, not wealth that's been accumulated uh, illegally, wealth that can be used to unlock the potential of the country, vast business talents as well within the country, and we really all need just that enabling environment in which to operate. It can be done, uh, but I do think that the short term is going to be very, very rocky until we perhaps settle into a pattern of some stability going forward. Daniel, apart from you know appearing on a lot of television shows and, and radio shows, you know, being asked your opinion on, on how things are going, you also do a lot of talks for a lot of uh, big companies or organisations, both in South Africa and around the world. What are you, what are the conversations you're having with a lot of these business leaders and these companies at this point? Well, look, I think from a foreign perspective, clearly there is a concern about uh, South Africa. There is a concern about the financial position of our government. And clearly, in particular, whether we will be able to do what's critically necessary, which is to cut state expenditure, to bring it under control, uh, and to perhaps tweak our broader economic policies, the structural reforms that we are talking about. So the likelihood of that is the big question that one is being asked. Of course, also uh, the question from outside South Africa and inside South Africa is, you know, how strong uh, is President Ramaphosa in his position? Uh, is he vulnerable as a president? That's the other key question that I'm being asked. Domestically, of course, South African uh, companies or those foreign companies operating here are very concerned about the sort of ex this extended lockdown regulatory environment we find ourselves in. And clearly that effect on their businesses being uh, detrimental, to put it mildly. So, you know, they are looking for a view as to how we come out of this, when we come out of it. And uh, what are the political and economic ramifications of uh, the lockdown? What does it mean for future policy uh, adjustments in South Africa? And can we read anything into the fairly uh, draconian kind of lockdown that we've had and whether that mitigates against reform in the future or whether we can get over this and simply move on? Well, Daniel, we've got another very interesting year lined up, I think it was in the United States, um, and this uh, dynamic that they're having to play with China, who've also uh, found you know, some resistance in many countries around the world as well, uh, through, through all kinds of economic and obviously through this virus as well. But let's come back to the US now. Uh, what is your outlook in terms of the US elections for, for Trump? Alex, the US is critically important because it's not just about the US, as you've seen just in the last week or so, it's been more about the US and China. That's been on the boil for the last two years. But uh, the big geopolitical tensions in the world really are now focused upon these big hegemonic rivals, China and the U.S. And of course, with the U.S. election, uh, the issue of China as some sort of enemy uh, becomes quite fashionable in certain political circles in the U.S. So China will be used for political ends in the U.S. Uh, certainly, I think we are looking at a tight presidential election. The polls currently, if you can believe them, show that uh, the Biden-Harris ticket uh, is ahead and ahead relatively well, particularly in some of the key swing states. But I think this is going to be a nail-biting election, much closer than the polls currently indicate. Uh, and uh, a lot will uh, depend clearly on uh, the role of nationalism in this election and whether the issues of race on the one hand and nationalism on the other which of the two will really be, I suppose, the predominant feature of the campaign? 
Now, I know that the US election is also very much a, a sort of a, a person or an individually sort of driven undertaking. You know, you're always sort of voting for a person, I think, to some extent. And I know in South Africa, we're also having this debate now for the next elections, if we should be more... Uh, a system where you vote for the person rather than for the party. Uh, What's your outlook on having uh, an individual candidate rather than an entire uh, family of people that you have to vote for uh, to to run a country? Well, I I like the idea of voting for a presidential candidate for sure. And I do think we should be able to vote for the personality because that's who we understand. Leaving it up to the party to decide, well, you've got to have real faith in your party. And uh, I think that individuals can make a choice. So I like that particular issue. But we are going to be faced here, and we have already just in the last few months or so, faced with the possibility that we might have a, a sort of more, more flexible electoral system where you have the ability for independent candidates who are not aligned to political parties to stand. Now, we would need a change to our entire electoral system. It's complex. I don't think we're going to see it before the next election or so. Um, but it would enable South Africans to vote to at least more for individuals rather than for their party ticket. I mean, you really, it's a bit like a lucky dip packet. You vote for the party, but you really don't uh, know the caliber uh, of a person that you are electing into parliament. So uh, in some senses, I think we need more individual accountability in politics. But I must say our electoral system here, which is purely proportional representation, you get 51% of the vote, you get 51% of the seats. I must tell you, it's easy. It's easy to understand, uh, and it also helps smaller political parties get representation into parliament. And I wouldn't want to see that undermined if we have any electoral change in the country. Well, Daniel Silk, it's it's always a pleasure to uh, check in with you and uh, just get your thoughts and, and, and the temperature of, of where you're sitting. And I hope we get to do it again in the near future. Always happy to help, Alex. Daniel, wonderful to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us there on, uh, on Zoom. I mean, there you have it, uh, you know, a little bit of an outlook on how, how business and uh, the economy is doing. How, how's business been impacted uh, from your side? I mean, you were mentioning you're, you're sort of involved in the, in the in luxury media space as well. And and it's uh, it's quite a tricky one to navigate at the moment, media in general, uh, as it is. Well, seeing that I own a luxury lifestyle magazine, um, and most of our print magazines are actually closing in South Africa, um, I am in a very unique space in the industry. We are a purely digital magazine, Luxuria Lifestyle, and we have a footprint not only in South Africa and Africa, but internationally. Um, yeah, so it's a really great place to be, I think, in terms of the evolution of news entertainment media magazines in South Africa, um, a landmark time, in fact. But I also am very fortunate that I've got a lot of opportunity. I think that this has been the time that people have felt that lack of opportunity more than ever before. Um, If you have one trade or one skill and that has been directly affected by COVID, it's been rough. Um, Luckily for me, I've got fingers in multiple pies. I consider myself a serial entrepreneur. Some things work, some things don't work, and that's the beauty of it. Um, But there's always a space that I'm working in. So another project that I've launched recently is called Icon South Africa. Very excited about this one. We are identifying successful women in South Africa and showcasing their stories of success. And and when I say success, it's a very holistic approach. It's how do you as a woman define success for yourself? Um, You could be an accountant running an investment firm in uh, Santon. You could have a textiles factory in Eastern Cape, which you started from your spare room you know there's so many different 
definitions of success. That and then also involved in a lot of broadcasting at the moment. I've been working with ENCA and Adcock Ingram OTC on a program called Brave Matters. And every Monday night we interview health experts and experts in their industries to talk about really brave um, initiatives going on in South Africa at the moment. Well, we were chatting about events and eventing early on. You you touched on it that you used to do a lot of events uh, you know, when, when when we were still doing what we were doing a, a year ago. How's that uh, changed uh, in terms of you know moving online and, and doing more digital events? Well, I think that we've all sort of evolved five years in five months, and that's the beauty of it. We're realizing as a nation across industries that we can do a lot more remotely which I, especially as a busy mom, I'm very grateful for that alone. But I think we were stuck in a lot of old-fashioned manual ways that were not beneficial. Yes, I'm not going to say that this has been a good time. It's been devastating. Livelihoods and lives have been lost. But in the process, we've also learned that, hey, you know, people can work from home and still be productive, if not more productive. We're not wasting money on rent and um, and unnecessary traffic and driving. Um, and we're becoming more technologically proficient I think you've seen that yourself. Certainly, you're bringing news and entertainment right into people's houses um, remotely. You know, we're sitting in, in completely different venues. So there's there's upsides for sure. So last week, our social media literally exploded. And I haven't seen anything like this in, in quite some time. Uh, when the announcement came through that Kazalinga uh, after 30 years, was going to shut its doors. A popular venue just on the outskirts of Johannesburg. It's been going for three decades. They've had some incredible festivals. They have a a very popular restaurant. It's also been uh, one of the wedding venues to host a wedding at uh, in Johannesburg. And when this news came through, you know, it was at first a story of Unfortunately, another restaurant, another hospitality area, another space that was uh, being impacted by the situations around COVID-19. But wow, did this thing just explode? And people were commenting and people were upset and people were retweeting. And at one point I thought, I I really hope this is true because the way it exploded, I thought if this is fake news, then we're going to be in a very awkward and very uncomfortable situation. But sadly, the story was true. We had to kind of get all the details because then people started like direct messaging and saying, yeah, but this is not the full story and the tweet hasn't got all the details in it. And unfortunately, you can only put so much into a into a social media post. But what better way than to get the full story from Casalinga directly? And, you know, it's great on the podcast because we can have a, a more detailed and more thorough conversation. So joining me on the line now, and I'm really thrilled to, to have on is uh, An- Antonia DeLuca, daughter of founders Peter and Jenny DeLuca. And uh, Antonia, were you maybe as surprised as we were when, when, when the news broke? How affectionately and how lovingly people remember Casalinga? Yes, we um, as a family were absolutely overwhelmed at the response. It was a, um, a voluntary liquidation because things were just going so badly with COVID and not being able to um, open our doors and then not being able to serve alcohol. And all these compounding effects, there's just, as you can imagine, so many costs to run a business like that. And we just couldn't couldn't keep going. So to, to maybe just iron out some of the details, there had yeah. been some challenges in the build-up to this. I mean, it wasn't like things were flying a week before lockdown. You'd already been having some challenges. We've had load shedding. We've had all these other things happening you know, in the economy before that. But, yes, but COVID nineteen was sort of the the final straw, I guess, in in all of this. Yes, yeah. 
my parents have wanted to retire for a few years now. And I think when you get to a certain age, I mean, the, the way that you run businesses changes. So there's so much social media and marketing needed. And it's just been so different to the way that they started the business with, you know, where everything was handwritten. They counted their money. They paid their staff. They paid their suppliers. And, you know, my dad always joked that they ran it like a Greek cafe, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and I think over the 31 years or so of Casalinga, yeah, it, it just changed so much, and and um, and I think, yeah, uh, last year the the financial situation in the country, the economic situation in the country was 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 not good. Um, people's average spend, you know, was going down. It, it's more and more challenging to employ people with the new labor regulations all the time. So these are the types of things that we started struggling with, and just the sheer cost of running running that the business so that's that's where it kind of started and then obviously COVID with with us not being able to to operate at all was really the straw on the camel's back so all is not completely lost uh once again there is still something that is going to carry on at Casalinga. I mean, there's still some activity that's happening there and, and tell us a little bit more about how things are going to go moving forward Yes, so the farm um, is Catalinga Organic Farm, and my parents still own the property. We've managed to cut down the running expenses of the property um, quite drastically. But there's lots of other businesses that um, that are that are on the property. One being my um, vegetarian restaurant, Leafy Greens Cafe. We've got a deli as well. There's a coffee roastery. There's a chocolatier. Uh, my business has expanded to to offer breakfast and a, a menu called called Il Cafe, so some more casual dining, more affordable meals. We've got picnic takeaways. Guests are still welcome to come and and exercise at the farm. Come and have a nice run or walk with your dogs and your kids. So there's lots of space. It's safe. Um, so I think it's it's wonderful to still visit now during during these difficult times. You know. Going forward in terms of Casalinga, I mean, you know, you said it's a voluntary liquidation. So I'm assuming it's only a part of the the bigger estate that you spoke about, the farm that's that's sort of being liquidated. It's Casalinga Ristorante Italiano, as it was known. So that is the business that's being liquidated. And any chances that somebody might buy this up or, or, or might do something with it going forward? I mean, on the, anything on the horizon? Um, there isn't anything on the horizon now, but that's definitely something that we open to discussing. Yeah, we haven't really thought much about that. I think we've been quite busy just <laughs> getting this liquidation through, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I know events was always a very big part over the last couple of years uh, of, of the yes. business itself. Yes. Is that something that you would hopefully bring back online later down the line if, if that's even ever possible again? Yes, so um, we have a um, a BE event company called Warzalapa, and that hosted you know the groves and vineyards and the prime fest and those types of large festivals. So that company is still alive as well. So hopefully, you know, once government restrictions are lifted, we will be able to still have some of those amazing events on the farm. Well, Antonia, it's it, it's it sounds like uh, you know there's still uh, hope on the horizon. As I say, you know the uh, Ristorante Italiano was was one of those iconic places that that people loved going to over the last thirty years. And I think there's so many people that have been so upset by by the news. But uh, it's it's good to hear that there's still elements of Casalinga that will carry on. That hopefully somewhere down the line, 
twist and change, I guess, as every business does and evolve, that uh, I suppose the business that your parents originally started will uh, still continue in, in, in some shape yeah. or form. So, I mean, I think what, what may be confusing customers a little bit is, is I've moved Leafy Greens Cafe into the Casalinga space. Um, so the doors are actually not shut because <laughs> I see a lot of tweets and, and social media posts, you know, when are your doors shutting? Um, so the, the doors of that building are not actually shutting, um, which is good news. Um, and then also, you know, my family, we regard, we take, you know, we take our name very seriously. So, um, so I vowed to take over um, the creditors and all the future functions and weddings. Um, and still run run all of those. So we really want to to make good as much as we can. What is the wedding season looking like? I suppose over the next six to twelve months. Well, it's it's definitely dropped off in the last few years. There's obviously so much more competition um, in places that are dedicated wedding venues, whereas we are you know more of a kind of restaurant that does weddings. Although it is a serious part of our business. But yeah, there's there's definitely um, a fair few weddings that have been booked, and we just you know we want to assure all the brides and grooms to be that we will honor those and that their day will be very special. And, and what's wonderful actually is now we're more flexible than ever. We've got some really amazing ideas for menus and harvest tables um, and mobile bars and things that, that we weren't able to offer in the past. So it's actually, it's actually a positive thing in that, in that regard. And what are your parents going to be doing once this is all uh, wrapped up and over? <laughs> Well, hopefully doing yoga in Thailand when they can get there. <laughs> not not easy unplugging from a 30-year business that you're in 24-7, I guess. I know. My dad has really been struggling because lockdown has forced him to do very little. Um, and he's, he's a doer. You know, he's been working in his restaurant for 31 years. So, yes, he's, he's been forced to slow down now. And um, I've got two children, so um, his grandchildren, he's spending a lot of time with them. And he takes his health very seriously. Um, he's actually just done a 40-day fast. Um, and, yeah, he's taken the time to work on himself, which I think, you know, working so many years in a restaurant takes it out of you. So it's, it's, it's good for them, I think. Well, Antonia DeLuca, thank you so much for, for jumping on the line and for uh, giving us a little bit of insight, a little bit of uh, clarity and guidance as to how things are going to go. And uh, I definitely look forward to to coming through to Casalinga. I think once everything's settled and ironed out to see how, you know, how you've progressed, how things have evolved, how things are moving forward. And I think there's a lot of happy Joe Burgers who know that at least it's not uh, a complete, uh, you know, wipeout, that there's nothing left. There's still a lot going on by the sounds of things and uh, yeah thank you and and if everyone can follow us on our new social media Castlinga Organic Farm I'll be posting personally you know what's happening and what people can look forward to so that's Castlinga Organic Farm fantastic Antonia DeLuca thank you so much thank you for having me thanks well, it seems like we're chatting all things Italian at the moment, and we've been talking about this DeLonghi coffee machine that arrived, and they've been fueling our podcasts every week, and it's an incredible machine. It's got so much going on, and so many different details, and funny enough, one of our guests last week also had just gotten one for his 50th, and it sounded like he'd figured it all out. So I thought, you know what, let's get a better understanding of of, of, of the machine of what DeLonghi is offering at the moment because so many people are missing out on that takeaway coffee that they used to buy when they were working at their office or when they were on their way to work or from on their way home from work. Uh, and joining me on the line now from DeLonghi, South Africa is uh, C.S. Stratum. C.S., good to have you on the show. Thank you very much. 
So, yes, tell us a little bit more about this DeLonghi coffee machine that you sent us. It's the uh, the Prima Donna class. This year has been a very exciting uh, one for DeLonghi with regards to coffee because we are bringing five new machines into South Africa. The machine which we sent you is the Prima Donna class. It's one of our more premium machines featuring the uh, Latte Crema milk frothing system, which is just going to give you the best froth for your cappuccinos, your lattes, flat whites, and so on. And it's got all kinds of... Uh, I mean, buttons and, and menus. I mean, you can choose from such a, a wide variety of different coffees. And I see it's even, it's even got Bluetooth as well. Absolutely. This is an amazing machine. The Prima Donna class forms part of our new range of gener- a new generation's machines. And there's been vast improvements and new features added to these machines. One of the coolest things that you can do, to your point, is connect it to your cell phone with the DeLonghi Coffee Link app. The app allows you to handle coffee preparation, uh, you could create and customize new beverages, um, discover discover all sorts of personalization options, and um, receive even receive advice and suggestions. The user manual is also available on the app. Uh, it allows for user profiles, so your cup of coffee is prepared exactly the way you like it for up to three different users. You can even customize your coffee recipe preferences by altering the aroma or the quantities of milk and coffee. My goodness. I mean, that is quite a bit to expect from a coffee machine. <laughs> that is that is quite incredible. I mean, the Bluetooth I found quite fascinating. At one point, I thought maybe I could link it with, with my underarm shoes. You know, they've got these built-in Bluetooth chips, uh, which, which tracks your running. And I thought, well, maybe I could get the shoes to talk to the coffee machine that when I'm done with my run... Uh, it could make coffee as I walk into the door, but but I haven't figured that out yet. I don't think that's 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 part of this uh, this version of the machine. Have you seen a, a big uptake on uh, on sort of home coffee machines during this lockdown period? Most definitely. We uh, know that the world has changed quite a bit this year. Many people are spoiled to getting a good grind of coffee by a barista in their offices or by the company providing them with bean to cup coffee machines to use in the office. But since many of us are still working at home. It's quite nice to have this little luxury of having a bean-to-cup coffee machine just a few steps away. In fact, consumers in South Africa believe these machines are a luxury purchase, where in Europe it is as part of a household as the TV, the microwave oven, and the fridge. Coffee is a ritual for many people. That first sip in the morning or that pick-me-up in the afternoon, and sometimes instant coffee just doesn't cut it. Yeah, and I suppose one of the few luxuries we can actually have during this time, <laughs> you know, seeing that we're stuck at home, you know, we're not seeing anybody, we're not really kind of going on, on, on lavish lunches or interesting dinners or, or any sort of getaway whatsoever. I suppose to have a proper cup of coffee at home is is such an absolute pleasure. And uh, I, I don't know, on the un- unboxing that we did, uh, which is on our YouTube channel, uh, we mentioned that you can also use uh, all kinds of different milks as well in the milk frother. So if you're into almond milk or soya milk or rice milk or whatever milk there is, you know, you can put that into into the machine as well. And it's also got, you know, quite a few cleaning functions. So you always show that the machine is cleaned. And, you know, it's, it, it does take a little bit of um, reading up and a bit of studying. It's not like you say, you know, you put a bit of instant coffee and, and pour a bit of hot water into a mug, but you're also getting a very different experience as well. Uh, CS, in, in your line of work, I mean, you deal with a lot of uh, DeLonghi's uh, clientele. Uh, what, what are sort of the, the, the big questions you're getting from some of your top clients that are, that are purchasing your products? Well, what, that's a great question, Alex. Thank you very much. These machines can seem a little bit intimidating at first, but um, I can tell you that after using them for two or three days, uh, you would very likely find it very difficult to go without it. 
This machine um, is quite amazing. And I mean, it offers you basic features like after you switch it on, uh, there are six recipes that you can literally access just with the touch of a button. So after placing your cup, it's a press of a simple button and you could prepare a cappuccino, a latte, a latte macchiato, um, an espresso for those um, uh, hard coffee drinkers, uh, a long coffee like the Americans like to drink. And you can even prepare froth malt just for uh, hot chocolates and the like. Yeah, so, you, don't, you don't have to go yeah. study to become a barista to do that either. Exactly right. And that's the, that's the beauty of these machines. They make a cup of co coffee consistently the same time after time. Um, you won't even get that, size, that kind of consistency from a barista in a, in a coffee shop. Well, I must say, we're having a lot of fun with it. We're figuring it out as we go along. And as I say, it's made putting this podcast together a hell of a lot more uh, uh, pleasurable, <laughs> a lot more energy. And, uh, not, you know, nothing like a good cup of coffee in the morning, uh, if it's a macchiato or a cappuccino or whatever it is that you like, even if it's just an espresso, uh, that just sets the mood and just lifts you up a little bit and, and, and gets you going. And once I say, you know, maybe, you know, if you're a heavy drinker, you might be having a couple or more throughout the day. But... It really is quite something. And also, what I also noticed was it's also very sort of environmentally uh, friendly to the extent that you don't have, uh, you know, things that you're throwing away afterwards. I mean, you put all the coffee beans in the back of the machine into the into the little loading tray and it grinds the coffee as it's needed. So you haven't got any sort of pads or capsules or, you know, whatever other things, filter paper, whatever that you're throwing away afterwards. You're absolutely right, Alex. I think people are coming to realize the negative effects of pods on the environment. Another thing is if you do a quick cost per cup calculation, that will show you that when you switch away from pods, you'll not only likely pay less than half for your cup of coffee, but also that freshly ground coffee makes a big difference to the quality, freshness, and the overall coffee experience. So I see that your range is, is available sort of at, at Hersh's, Macro, Yuppie Chef, Take-A-Lot, uh, you know, especially for those shopping online at the moment. So if you're looking to uh, get a DeLonghi machine, and you've got a whole different range. I mean, it's not, you know, you don't have to take the bells and whistles. You don't have to have the Rolls-Royce standing in your kitchen. I mean, they've got entry-level machines. They've got middle-of-the-range machines, especially if you're, you know, if you're single, you might not need, you know, to make two coffees at the same time because it's just you. So you just need to have something that's a little bit more compact. CS, you might be giving away too much, but any any exciting launches planned uh, ahead of Christmas? Well, I can't give too much away, um, Alex, but uh, yes, indeed. Um, the last of our complete range renewal will take place in September when we will receive the last of, uh, of, of the new range. And um, uh, as soon as the entire range is available in store, we do have a couple of very exciting launch activities planned. Um, obviously, uh, with uh, the situation currently, um, some of these may be a little bit more toned down than we would have liked. But um, all I will say to consumers is to watch the space and keep an eye out for DeLonghi. Well, CS, it's great to have you on. And I look forward to chatting to you later on in the year. Uh, maybe once all the, the, the new machines have come into the country and they're, they're available. And just to find out what you've launched, if there's anything new, anything uh, that's uh, changed. And uh, yeah, especially in the build up to Christmas, I think that might be a, a good excuse for a lot of people to say, well, you know what, maybe 2020 hasn't been so great. So if we get rid of the old coffee machine and get a new one, uh, at least maybe 2021 at least has a good start, not just to the year, but to the morning as well. Great stuff. Thank you very much, Alex. Yes, these machines represent, uh, we, we, as you mentioned, we have a full range of machines that cover most budgets. And uh, these machines certainly are a long-term investment to consider if you enjoy your coffee. Fantastic. That's uh, Sia Stratum, and he's with DeLonghi South Africa. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks very much, Alex.
Nicole, what is your outlook for the rest of the year? What are you still hoping to achieve by the end of 2020 if there is still something to be achieved uh, in, in this in this strange and wonderful year that we're in? I think my main goal for 2020 for the remainder is to start adding value everywhere I go. Um, I think that pandemics and world wars and global disasters, whatever they shape, form they come in, any challenge that we face has this tendency to force us and certainly myself into a very inward selfish place that is motivated and driven by fear and I saw that when my son broke his arm during the middle of the COVID pandemic uh, we had to go through hospitals and surgeries and that was quite traumatic then having had COVID myself in our house seeing the stigma associated with it, the fear around it fear of the unknown it just makes everybody really selfish it makes everybody including myself very um, focused on their own goals. And I, I have big goals for this year and next, but I want them to include lifting other people. And I know that sounds really world peace and pageanty, and I don't really care because I need to make sure that for myself, whatever I'm doing is adding value to other people's lives. If I'm asking somebody for a favor in business or to collaborate with me in business, I am making sure that I'm adding more value to them, hopefully, than they're adding to me. It's a very conscious decision to, to just yeah, give back, be involved. How can I help? And I think in marketing in general in South Africa, um, if there's anybody listening that's involved in marketing, that is the future of marketing is how can your business add value right now without asking something back, without trying to force your sales down someone's throat, uh, without trying to push and market yourself. I mean, we sit here in such a I, 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 me, 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 little I experts at the moment. Um, yeah, let's let's start looking out for one another a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, you've, you've touched on it uh, now and I'm quite fascinated to, to hear the story, but you said you, you contracted COVID-19. And yes. uh, t- tell us about that. What was that like? I mean, what was the experience like? I mean, you know, God forbid, I hope there's a lot of people on listening to this that haven't had to go through it. But I think all of us who are on this planet in 2020 are all sitting there going, well, if I do have to get it, I hope I'll be okay. But yeah. ideally, I don't want to have to go through the experience because none of us really know how we're going to react. So what was your experience like? Well, that's the problem, right? It's the fear of the unknown. I'm a pharmacist. I have a background with as a medical professional. And I was still trying to sit there balancing my medical logic with my irrational fear of the unknown. Um, so my fiance contracted at first. He came home. He had a a basic head cold and he only got tested because he had to work as a vet for a locum so he just wanted to make sure before I go and work this weekend let's just check that I don't have COVID and it was literally a head cold and in a few days he was fine a couple of days later because we're living in the same house I got sick and but I got really really sick and went down into my chest it was like a very bad bronchitis uh, there were days when I felt like I couldn't breathe uh, felt like I was breathing underwater and um, I think there was so much inflammation in my lungs that when I was breathing the air would go in but nothing it didn't feel like it was going into my body and we were monitoring my oxygen sacks at home and I w- it was low and it was scary but I knew that I was going to be okay if I sat down and was logical about it I don't have an underlying condition I'm taking it easy I'm following all the necessary precautions I'm not going to go and overwhelm the medical uh, supplies and resources that are limited right now with my irrational fears and um, I know when I need to I will and I think this is the problem is everybody's panicking and if we could just settle down and say listen it's not about you um this was what i kept having to tell myself is maybe it's about the people that are really compromised so i'm not going to go and visit somebody who might be high risk and if you are high risk you should be isolating and locking yourself down until the end of the year 
if you are a very frail elderly person, don't see anybody uh, if you want to live. Uh, I think that's the, the the basic message. And if you're not, you know, brace yourself. You might actually get flu this year. And it might be one of the worst flus you've ever got, but you might just be okay. Um, and stop living in this total obsession of fear. Most people talk about 14 days. What, what do those yeah. 14 days look like? I mean, you kept yourself at home. You quarantined. I mean, we all have the, the worst case scenario pictures shown to us on an almost daily basis, people on ventilators and, and all kinds of trial and error sort of medication and, and hardcore pharmaceuticals that are being used to try and control it in hospitals. But when you're at home, what does that look like? Is it hot lemon tea and, and sleeping a lot? Yeah, it's very scary. And I'm not going to lie, especially considering it's on the news every two seconds, it does compound it. But you're lying there and there were a couple of nights when I felt like I don't really want to go to sleep because I'm scared that I don't wake up. And that's very dramatic, very dramatic. It was because I was battling to breathe and it was also because, you know, it's COVID-19. So it's a combination of both. There were the initial period was just a flu and then it went into my chest and I started coughing. But then more than the coughing was that that real hoarse, raspy breathing when I couldn't quite catch my breath. Um, and then you start to improve slowly but surely. And the, the trick is just rest and take care of yourself and isolate yourself and don't panic. Uh, you'll know if you really need to go to hospital. And I do know people and have spoken to people. Uh, some of them have comorbidities. Some of them are older and they have needed a lot of support. And some of them been in a hospital and in ICU on ventilators for eight days. They've also been okay, um, but I've also lost a family member from COVID and a friend from COVID. So um, I have a bit of a course approach to it maybe. Uh, it, in life, if you live long enough, you're going to encounter challenges and hardships and global pandemics and things will go wrong. You just do the best you can and try to remain level-headed and not lose yourself in an oblivious, fearful mess in the process. And you might just be okay afterwards. But, you know, in the end, um, yeah, it is what it is. How long did it take for you to recover? Was it was it two weeks or was it a little bit longer? It was two weeks for me um, until I was back to sort of Zoom calls, conversations, uh, being able to pop out to the shops again after being clear. Um, but since then I still have, I'm not exercising fully again. Uh, it's a long process back to full recovery. I still get a lot of headaches and brain fog and, um, the, the cold air and smoke will get to my lungs quite easily, but it's just, it's a healing process that, and maybe a good needed healthy rest for me. Well, Nicole, I'm glad to see you're back on your, on your feet. I know we were planning to chat to you much earlier on this podcast, and I think we must have caught you just during that period. I mean, you even spoke about losing your voice at one point, which is uh, not much use on a podcast if you don't have a voice. <laughs> but listen, I'm, gl I'm glad to see you're well, and I'm glad to see things are going strong, and uh, look forward to checking in with you, uh, possibly, if not sooner, uh, when uh, the next Survivor probably gets getting on. It would be great to have you and Rob on uh, to give us a little bit of a, a lowdown on uh, what, uh, what's to be expected and, uh, yeah, you know. and Rob is now a Santon resident. He has moved up from Richards Bay. So you, you have a homie in your hood that just definitely needs to be on your show and we can chat Survivor anytime. That sounds fantastic. So Nicole Kapper, our guest for today, thank you so much for joining us uh, on this Absolutely. podcast and we wish you all the best for the rest of uh, spring and summer of 2020. Thank you so much for having me. Really, really great to chat. As we wrap up the show, Let's uh, quickly touch on our unboxing this week. We've taken a break from the unboxing this week. There's quite a few up on our YouTube channel, so don't forget to to watch that. You can also take a virtual drive through the Santon CBD, which is up on our YouTube channel as well, which has been quite popular. And then also a look back at some of the great events that we've had in Santon, also on YouTube. Hopefully that lifts your spirits and uh, strikes some cool memories. 
If you want to get in touch with this podcast, don't forget you can email editor at santantimes.co.za. You can connect with the Santon Times on social media at Santon Times. Uh, visit the blog santantimes.co.za and subscribe, share, and leave a review or rating on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, SoundCloud, and uh, yeah, YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. It's been a pleasure having you listen in, and thank you to my guests for today. We're heading into another week of some form of lockdown. Let's see how we do as we move into spring, which is almost here, only one or two weeks to go. So stay safe, and I look forward to having you join us again next week for the Santon Times podcast. 